Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Peter Dowd of theirishgardener.com uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon. And Good, Trish, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Hopefully that line holds up for us. OK, we're going to start with some photographs that were sent in and John Paul sent them on to last week or the week before. I'm not too sure, but we promised people because these photographs came in that we would send them on to uh, Peter. And one was a picture of somebody's white hydrangeas turning brown. All the other colours are fine. Also, can I cut back a magnolia that has gone too big for where I planted it? That came in from Margaret. You can, or Margaret, can cut back the magnolia now, yeah. Um, but if she does it, she will, won't will have any flowers next 
spring. So magnolias are one of these plants that they, they produce their flower buds now at this time of the year, July, July August, for, for opening next spring. So if you prune it now, you won't damage the magnolia, but you will sacrifice the flowers. So if you can at all, wait and enjoy the flowers next spring. And then the right time to do it is, is just after the flowers. So probably depending on what variety of magnolia, it could be March, it could be April or even May. But, uh, but leaving it now is, is, too, is late in that you'll sacrifice the flowers, but you won't harm the plant. Um, in terms of the, the hydrangea, I'm afraid it's probably, whilst we're having beautiful weather now, we've had a pretty bad run of it. So it's most likely caused by just the rain, I'm afraid. Um, when, when the rain hits the hydrangea flowers and it affects the whites far more than the other colours, uh, they just go brown. You don't get any of that lovely autumnal colouring that you would get from some of them when it's when there's too much moisture. It's either just rain spatter is caused the plants, the flowers to rot uh, and to discolour, or there could be an underlying fungal infection causing it. But I don't think so. I think it's just a, just unfortunately a symptom of the, the amount of rain we've had this summer. But it'll be okay for next year. There won't be anything to no, worry about. No, it should be fine. Okay. Be fine, yeah. And then poor Therese sent us quite pathetic looking parsnips to say, hi, Peter, this is the first time in years I decided to grow parsnips. I brought them as plants and this is what I get after all my growing. What went wrong? And they, they look quite sad. They do. There's a picture of kind of stunted uh, yeah. um, parsnips with, with a lot of roots and not, you know, a lot of small roots and not much to eat. It's now the first thing is I'm assuming that you took the picture recently, so it's very early to have harvested them. You wouldn't normally harvest them yet. You'd leave it for another month or so. In fact, you can harvest them right through the winter into spring. And of course, the longer you leave them in, the the more it's going to develop. So that's the first thing I would say. She probably took them out too early, but there is still an awful lot of roots, which is caused by one of several things. It could be most likely, in fact, poor soil. Um, what I mean by poor soil is is that it could be compacted soil or it could be stony soil, right, which doesn't allow any of these taproot vegetables like carrots and parsnips and these. They like a very open, well-drained, fertile soil with a lot of sand or grit where, where the root has no obstruction to grow straight down, which is why they're perfect in raised beds because you can create your own kind of soil environment in there. So I imagine that's the most likely scenario is that the soil is, is compacted or, or a bit stony. Other reasons that would cause it if, there were, if you were overcrowding them, which is possible. So if you were overcrowding the, the planting them too close to each other, that would also lead to it. Um, uh, and also, if 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 um, if you had put too much nitrogen into the soil, that would lead to an awful lot of leafy growth, leafy green growth, and poor enough root growth. But I imagine the the problem is 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 a bit of compacted soil or um or stones in the soil. Okay, Margaret's in Douglas. Hi, Peter. Our apple tree hasn't produced any apples this year. It's three years old. It's always produced apples. Any suggestions as to what went wrong this year? If it's three years, if if it was its first year, let's say, and it wasn't doing it, it could be the fact that there isn't a pollinator nearby. Now, she doesn't say whether she has a, a pollinating partner. And what that is, is apples need another variety of apple to be nearby for the bees to do their magic and, and other insects to do their magic. And the, that magic is quite simply, they fly into the flower of one, they feed on the nectar and they get the pollen on their wings and on their feet and everything. Then they fly into the flower of another one. And of course, they offload some of the pollen. And that's what pollinates the, the fruit and, and that's what leads to the apple. Now, if you don't have another one nearby, then obviously that can't happen. Now, she doesn't say whether she has one nearby or whether, in fact, maybe she was relying even unbeknownst to her, she could have been relying on a, an apple tree in another garden, um, which may no longer be there. That's possible. 
the other thing, of course, is unfortunately that we're all we're all aware of the the, the plight of the pollinators, the bees and, and mm. pollinators, their numbers are dwindling and this is an effect of it. Um, it could well be that. Uh, also around, I'm trying to cast my mind back now to, to kind of May when they would have been in blossom, but the weather was relatively good then, so that yeah. shouldn't have been an issue. There should have been enough of them out. Um, uh, so I, it's, it's, it's some kind of a pollinator issue, whether the, the pollinating partner tree is gone or whether it was just a, a lack of bees and insects around at the time, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. The only, the only other thing that could cause it, uh, not cause it, but could could help, is to feed those trees or that tree with some good quality sulfate of potash around the time of blooming. That's the other thing actually that I didn't mention, and maybe I should have. She doesn't say whether the flower bloomed or not. So obviously, if the flower didn't bloom, or if the plant didn't bloom. Uh, the tree, then it, 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 the, if there's no flowers, obviously there can't be any fruits. So if it didn't flower, then feeding it with something like a good quality sulfate of potash in the springtime will help. But if it did flower, but didn't turn into fruit, well, then that's that's an issue with the a lack of pollinators, yeah. either a pollinating tree or the insects. OK, hopefully it'll get sorted for uh, next year. Here's an interesting one. Question for Peter. Well, it's more of a tip for others, says this listener. I was told to always cut my Budlia bush down to the ground every year. And that's what I always did. But due to illness, I haven't been able to cut it for the last three years. Now, obviously, it's massive this year. But more than that, it is literally smothered in tortoise shell and peacock butterflies. Doesn't that sound gorgeous. I'm now wondering how often does Peter suggest cutting a buddleia? And obviously they didn't, it wasn't swarming with butterflies uh, when this listener was cutting it back. Yeah, and it's it's funny because uh, I'm, I'm just on my way into photo here again for the, the last of my, my walk and talks where we're talking about the, the importance of some of these natural connect, collections or connections in nature. Uh, and I've been admiring the, the butterflies swarming on the buddleias here in photo. Um, which I'm kind of laughing to myself because she's right, they're alive with them. Um, I wouldn't, if you cut back Budlia very hard every year, which is what she had been doing, what you tend to get is you tend to get an awful lot of leafy growth the following year. You do get some flowers, um, but not that many. If you leave it off and never prune it, you'll get loads and loads of flowers. But of course, it does get very, very big. So I would suggest uh, give it a light prune and not prune it back to ground level like she's been doing. Give it a light prune, maybe prune it back by about half either every year or every second year. So keep it in check is what you're doing. You're never cutting it back to ground level because as I say, if you cut it back very hard, you get an awful lot of leafy growth and not so much of the flowers. And of course, Budlia, while it is it is overly vigorous and it is on the invasive list, some of the species, just to see it at this time of the year in full flower yeah. and be decked with butterflies. They're fabulous. stunning. Yeah, it's fabulous. Gardening question. I have tuberous begonias growing in a bed. This is my first time ever growing them. Should I lift them for the winter or how should they be stored? Well, the, the, the textbook advice, the correct answer to give is yes to once the last of the foliage has died off, which is normally kind of at the first frost, which could be November time, hopefully. Um, that's when you would lift them. You'd lift them out of the ground, wrap them just in a bit of paper, just keep them cool and dry for the winter months and plant them out again next kind of March, April. Uh, it's very, very straightforward. And now that, that, as I say, is the correct answer and the textbook answer. I find myself a, a lazy gardener. I don't always have the time to do that. So more often than not, I leave them out. Uh, they will come back year after year, but they definitely do weaken if you don't if you don't lift them. And if we were to get a serious uh, winter, if we were to get you know 
proper negative temperatures for a protracted period, it, it will it will rot the bulb. Um, but as I say, I leave mine out. They do come back year after year, but the correct thing to do is to, to lift them after flowering and plant them out again in March, April. Margaret says, question for Peter, what, is, what, what would be the cause of brown rust spots on my cabbage? It, it's a fungal rust. And in fact, I wrote an article about on the examiner, la, I think it was last week or the week before, on, not on the fungal rust for on cabbage specifically, but we are seeing, which is probably to be expected, we are seeing huge uh, amounts of fungal problems in gardens at the moment. And it's because of, and this answers this question as well, it's because of the, the weather conditions. It's been, it's been excessively damp uh, and of course it's mild. And that just leads to damp, mild conditions with poor air circulation leads to the development of these fungal problems. And that's what's causing this rust on cabbage. Um, if it's not too widespread, I would just simply remove the infected leaves. So any leaves that have the, the rust on it, just literally prune them off. Um, hygiene is very important here too when we're trying to control fungal problems. We all became experts on it with, with over the last few years. I don't even want to mention the, the COVID mm. word again, but um, we all became experts at disease control. And it's just, the hygiene is just as important in the garden. So in other words, if you're cutting a cabbage that has the infection, make sure you clean that secateurs before you move to another plant because you'll just spread the infection that way. So it, there's little enough you can do when it has it except what we call cultural control, which is removing the, 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 the infected leaves. When planting, make sure you're leaving enough space between the plants that there's good air circulation around them. But unfortunately, this year, with the with the, the amount of rain we've had, it's very difficult to stay on top of these fungal problems. Yeah. Sean says, do I cut back lupins and foxgloves now or will they flower again? I only planted them this summer. The lupins, if you cut them back, now it's gone a bit late, but if you cut them, if you had cut them back earlier, so you can do one of two things. If you cut them back straight after flowering or even now, you, you, you're... Definitely, if you cut them back straight after flowering, which is probably a month ago, you would expect a second flush of flowers, maybe now or during September. Not as good as the first flush, but you would expect a second flush. So do that and and you may well still get more. Uh, That's the first option. The second option is you let those flowers, those dead flowers in the seed pods, let the seed pods turn black and then you have your own free lupin seeds uh, which will either disperse naturally and you, you might get baby lupins around the garden or you can collect them yourself uh, it's very very straightforward just crack open the black seed pods um, collect the seeds and plant them into some some compost in a seed tray or little pots and you'll have your own lupins new lupins next year um, obviously if you're cutting back for a second flush of flowers then you're not allowing the seed pods to ripen so it's kind of one or the other yeah um, foxgloves are a biennial so by the end of year two, when they're flowering, that'll be the end of them. Uh, so I would just let them set seed. OK, uh, here's a lovely one. I've got a large oak tree in my garden and I'd love to get a sapling growing from that tree to give to my daughter for her house and her garden. Now, I have a few saplings growing in my rewilded lawn. So my question is, do I start to grow one from an acorn or if I was to dig up one of the saplings, how do I transplant it? Do I pull it or dig it out? Thanking you. That's a nice idea to grow it from one. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah. Lovely idea. Yeah. Um, uh, depending on how old the sapling is. So if it's only a year or two old that has, you know, wind blown into the, the, the lawn, it, it should transplant relatively easily. Now, the time to do it is certainly not now. It's the middle of winter. So it's kind of December, January time when, the, when that sapling is totally dormant. Don't pull it, no, because you'll damage the root system. So dig it out of the ground. 
Um, but if it's only a year or two old, that won't be a difficult job. Dig it out of the ground and into into a new pot or straight into your daughter's garden immediately. Don't leave it out of the ground for any length of time. And that should grow. Pay close attention to watering it next year. And that should grow. That would be the quickest and easiest way to do it. You could try growing it from an acorn from the tree, but obviously it'll just take that little bit longer. That that few, like The sapling is obviously it's that a couple of years way. more yeah. advanced. Yeah. Hi, uh, Peter. Is there anything I can use to kill moths on a wall? I've removes most by hand but it's back again also can I cut hmm. back my camellia bush and what would you suggest feeding it for flowers for next year there are two questions okay well the camellia bush is the exact same as the magnolia one at the start of the piece uh, Trish where if you cut it back now you won't harm the camellia but you will certainly cut off next year's flowers because similar to the magnolia it has set its flower buds now to open for next spring so pruning it now will remove them so I'm guessing from the second part of the question that she doesn't want to do that because she's wondering what to feed it with to promote flowers so at this time of year July August is when you would feed a, a camellia or um, rhododendrons magnolias any of these kind of plants with, again with a good sulfate of potash or a good quality organic tomato food to, because they're high in potassium and high in phosphorus which will uh, promote the development of flower buds now for opening next spring so and the, the, what was the first part of our question then? Um, where has it gone to? Um, the, the, the moss or oh, the moss on the oh, wall. Oh yes, sorry. Yeah, moved it by wall. hand yeah. and it's back I, again. Yeah, so she, she there, there is a product called Moscow. Moscow is a well-known brand name for killing moss. Now I'm not a huge fan of the, the traditional Moscow but there is a thing called Moscow Probiotic uh, Irish made to the best of my knowledge and when you have the area clean of moss if you spray it with the Moscow probiotic it will keep it clean now there's nothing that's going to keep an area free of moss in Ireland again because of our climate it's warm and damp and moss will just grow so but the, once you have it clean that Moscow probiotic uh, does keep it clean for a few months I would say up to six months which is the best that you'll do then there are other products that you can put on that the wall that will kill the moss uh, organic products that are very good Algon, to the best of my knowledge, is the name of another Irish one. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and I'll double check my, the, before you get it, but I'm pretty sure it's an organic Irish product. But it is very good. I, I say it and then I'm not sure because I know I've used it before, but I hope I'm giving it the right name. If you know what I, I, mean. know, I know I've I know. used an organic Irish one before and I think it's Algon. Okay, and a final one. I planted sweet William seeds in the spring and now they're a few centimetres high. Where should I keep them during the winter and will they flower next year? They will. They're a bi- most of them are biennial. Some are perennial, but meaning they'll flower every year. But most of them are biennial, which means they'll flower in their second year and then set seed, and that's the end of them. Um, I would. I wouldn't be too worried about planting them out and leaving them outside through the winter. They should be absolutely fine. If if you don't want to do that, just just keep them in pots. Um, but again, I'd probably leave them outside. I wouldn't put them in a shed or anything like that because it'll be too dark. If you have a glass house or a polytunnel, sure, you could keep them in that during the winter. But being honest, unless it was an extremely severe winter again, which hopefully it won't be, but if, if unless it was, they should be safe outside. OK, so you've got your final afternoon in photo. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's, uh, the first afternoon we did in photo where we were talking about the, the, the wonder of nature and how it's so important in photo. I was here in a big woolly jumper and a jacket and <laughs> scarf and hat. And now I'm not quite the shorts and T-shirt, but it's a, it's a lovely sunny day down here now. So yeah, the last one of the year. Yeah, it's a nice day. And I should forecast for tomorrow is, is good as well. And listen, I'm, I'm ever hopeful. We often get very good Septembers in this country when we talk about the Indian we summer. Do. 
we do and every year we're surprised but I think and I've, I've said this before I'm not sure if the stats back me up or not but I think September is normally our may not be the warmest month but I think in terms of sunshine and dry days I think it's normally our best month Yeah just as the kids go back to school it always seems so yeah, unfair yeah, yeah. Alright listen have a lovely week and we'll chat next Wednesday and enjoy Fota And you Thanks and a million you, that is uh, Peter Dowdle theirishgardener.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt Now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.